Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick of Bicycling Magazine, and also something, someone our readers have decided is one of the five best things I ever did with RKP, <laughs> and they're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, be that as it may, each week we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. So how are your holidays? They were actually really great. Yep. They were great. Um, they were the perfect mix of family, chill time, riding bikes, uh, you know, never really stressed out about any of the stuff that you often get stressed out about over the holidays. Mm. So that was a huge, huge relief. My legs are actually buzzing from doing a lot of riding, um, which is, yeah, which is a good feeling. So I, I, I have no complaints. It was super, super, it was warm on New Year's Day, yeah. but um insanely windy i went out to do some recon ride for you know dave puts on this this charity ride called the monkey knife fight (laughs) which is yeah which is which is amazing as it sounds but it goes up all the biggest dumbest hills we have on dirt so he won he always changes it up a little bit and he's like oh i'm thinking about you know some of the sometimes by the time you get to the climbs you're already destroyed from the climbs to the climbs kind of thing so we were trying to like you know what I mean so we were trying to sort of work it around and he's like go out and you know see if this one is worse than this one so I went up this new dirt not dirt road climb to some of the dirt climbs and it was impossible to say with like 40 mile per hour winds just buffeting I mean they were just crazy winds I haven't ridden in anything like that since like Kona Oof. like it was just it was little bananas um, so you know that was exciting but <laughs> and then we do this ride called Hollyberry it's a tradition like it's a new year like you know everyone has their holiday ride it's a new year's day ride we meet at uh, our friend Beth's house and it goes out to this dirt road called Hollyberry uh-huh. and people pack champagne in their pockets and so sometimes friends meet us there in cars and there's meats and cheeses and all kinds of stuff and we toast and ride on so that was super fun it was really a really nice day for that because it was sheltered and warm like we were in the sun out of the wind oh so. nice yeah nice. Good. Yeah, good holidays. Very cool. Yourself? Uh, you know, Christmas was great fun. The boys were tearing, out pack, tearing open packages so quickly that I was having to kind of monitor them to make sure that they didn't destroy a toy as they were accessing said <laughs> toy. They, they are that They've age, got yes. that kind of energy. Uh, it was terrific fun. Um, you know, did did couple rides between then and New Year's and then New Year's Eve day, uh, took off on a tour uh, up to Mendocino and spent New Year's Eve in Mendocino, walked around the town, had some fun on uh, New Year's Day, and then, uh, what, two days ago, rode back. The riding is difficult enough that rather than ride from home, I drove to Timber Cove already on the coast uh, to do the ride mm-hmm. up. And allowing seven hours actually... 
<laughs> proved not to be quite enough time to get into Mendocino. I will say that I did see that your tandem was on the back of... What was that? It looked like a flatbed. It was just a standard tow truck. (laughs) 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 Just a regular old tow truck. So that's what AAA sends when you call on a bicycle and say... Did you tell them you were on a bicycle? Yeah, I'm just yeah, actually they, curious. No, this is a Facebook thing, they, people. I saw that he had that posted and his tandem was on the back of a tow truck. Yeah. And it was dark. Well, I mean, the thing is, okay, so Mendocino is a town of fewer than 800 people, or right around 800 people, fewer than 1,000. And I don't know how many tow trucks are in a town of 800 people, you know? Oh, that's fair. Probably not In many. LA, One. you know, you could specify, you know, you you could you could ask flatbed, not, I want the Mac, not the Toyota. <laughs> in in Mendocino, that they had a tow truck was really and it was available given that this was New Year's Eve, you know. It, Did you say that you were on a bicycle? Yeah, they had all the okay, information okay. that was handy and they sent what was okay. available. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I mean, what else would they have? I mean, it's not Uber, right? It's not like they're going to send a well, passenger And, van. you know, friends after the fact <laughs> were like, well, why didn't you call Uber? Well, because there's only one guy in all of Mendocino doing Uber, and he doesn't have a That's car insane, that too. big. Well, I mean, again, you know, you've got well, fewer yeah, than a thousand people. Yeah, it's small. <laughs> Wow. That's that's okay. Then you get a you get a tow truck. That's that's where did the where did the tow truck take you? Just back to town? no, directly to my hotel. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It was dark. Eight miles. Yeah. Uh, you know, so close, so very close, but it just got too Yeah, but eight dark. miles is still... Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a better part of an hour when it's hilly like that on a tandem. It, it right? would have been a good 40 minutes, yeah. 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 Because there were, yeah. I mean, that stretch of coastline is not flat anywhere. And that was the, right. that was the whole reason that... I was not pulling into the hotel before nightfall was that it was just way more up and down than I had mm-hmm. uh, really understood it would be. And so our, uh, there was also a headwind, which slowed us a little more. But, I, you know, with a tandem, right. you can kind of defeat some of the headwind. But this was just unreal in terms of the constant up and down. And because we're talking about Northern California, the up and down is never 4%. Right. It's right. eight. Yeah. Eight. Eight. <laughs> and then when it gets deep, yep. it's 15. Yep. I, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's hard going on a tandem. It's not, it's not, that's not easy going was, on a tandem. You know, but it was fantastic. That is such that's a cool, cool little town. Uh, encountered some new wines, Pinots from the Mendocino area. Oh, uh, nice. Really elegant, you know, so nice, couple nice dinners, you know. Again, cool town, and then got to have a more leisurely ride back to the car on uh, the first or on the second when we did the ride back. Uh, and so allowed two more hours to get to Timbercoat, which allowed us to stop in Gualala, the southernmost town mm-hmm. in Mendocino County, and actually have a sit down Mexican lunch. Oh, nice. Oh, the burrito was delicious. I mean, I, I think uh, cardboard awesome. might have been good, but that's a separate issue. Right, right. Yeah. When you get that hungry, everything is wonderful. Yeah. 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 But that's a good it was, feeling. It was such a pretty ride and having two more hours to get it done. The, the funny part is I leaned the bike against the car 
uh, went to pee in the bushes, turned and looked and was watching the sunset and tried to run to the end of the parking lot to get a shot of the last of the sunset. And it set so quickly in those final few seconds that I actually missed the sunset. Wow. (laughs) And then it was dark. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And it was like, woohoo, timed it just perfectly. Added two hours and still just pulled it off. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. It was, that's awesome. It was a, a really, really lovely way to help kind of reset my personal whatever. Yep. And yep. Uh, I'm excited for awesome. this year. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's a good thing. Well, what's your pull? Uh, talking about this year. <laughs> what else? Um, it is that time of year again. Uh, Strava does its uh, year-end summary of people's riding, mm-hmm. you know, and they... They've, they've done this thing, I don't know how many years now, where they post these cute little videos, you know, and it, it gives you a little highlight reel. Um, and it's just been really interesting to me, you know, because I posted mine and then I get a lot of people asking like, oh, you know, what what mileage or hourly goals do you set every year? And uh, I kind of look at them blankly or I stare at the, the Facebook page blankly because I don't, I don't. Like, I actually don't set annual goals like that. Um, Generally, I just sign up for my events and I train and prepare for my events. And uh, the mileage and the hours pretty much just take care of themselves. Um, (laughs) And I never it's funny because I never I've always journaled and I've always like tracked my training, so to speak. But I never actually added up the annual stuff like ever. And it wasn't until Strava started doing these cute little stories mm-hmm. that I that I saw like what my annual at, like numbers were. Um, and honestly, I was kind of blown away by what my <laughs> annual numbers are. Um, you know, I looked. I looked at the past. I think since two thousand twelve, I looked, mm-hmm. and um, I generally averaged between eighty five hundred and ninety five hundred miles a year, um, which is absolutely more than I put on my car like <laughs> by probably by probably a lot um, my elevation ranges from 500,000 to just over 600,000 feet of climbing per year uh, all of that takes about 630 to 700 hours out of my uh, year you know and I have a few friends who send you know they spend a similar amount of time on their bike and they're like how don't you hit 10,000 and I because they always hit 10,000 mm-hmm. and I'm like well I, I spend so much time in the mountain that it would just be impossible. Like a two-hour ride on the mountain here is not thirty miles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's a, it, it, yeah. yeah. I mean you're averaging so much slower. Maybe eight, depending on how hilly it is. You right. know, maybe like eight miles an hour is what your average is on a mountain bike sometimes here. Um, so I, you know, I, there's no way I could hit ten thousand unless I was just on my road bike, and you know, I'm not. I'm just not doing that. Anyway, like those stats are you know super cool to look at. Uh, but if I ever actually, I thought about it. I'm like, if I ever actually made any of those things a goal in and of themselves, I would not be motivated to do it. Like, I'm just, I'm not terribly motivated by numbers for the sake of numbers. Like, that just wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, I just wouldn't. Um, I will confess that when I did, when they did start doing these and I looked, I'm like, 700 hours. I was like, wow, I could remodel the bathrooms. I could like. <laughs> you could build a house. You know. Right, I could plant a garden. I could do all these things I fantasize about. Uh, but then I just go and ride my bike anyway, uh, you know, because that's just that's just what uh, keeps me sane and makes me tick. But um, it just I don't know. Like, do you actually plant? How do you 
Do you plan goals like oh, that? No. Do you plan like, oh, I'm going to hit? Okay. Yeah. Me? Goal? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, the thing that I've explained to friends and on occasion when necessary to my family, I don't really tend to set goals. I take off on quests. Graduate school mm-hmm. was a quest. I wasn't there to get the diploma. I didn't really care about that's having a sheet of paper with an MFA on it. I wanted to go study poetry. And that's what I did. I mean, after five years, they happened to give me a sheet of paper and said, well, you're pretty good at this. But You're like the yin to my yang. <laughs> I'm so goal-oriented. I've, it's, I've made it a, a, a goal to be, I've made it a goal to be process-oriented. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's remarkable, but that I am. sums it up. You know, I, I, and I, 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 I want to be careful how I say this because it's going it, to, the opportunity for this to sound wrong is nearly infinite, but I, I am. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Say it. I'm reasonably zen. I really am. I, I'm all about the journey. If I'm not enjoying the thing that I'm doing, I won't be any good at it and I won't keep doing it. Uh, a goal by and large means nothing to me. It's the doing of the thing that gets me. And so doing gravel rides to get ready for a grasshopper, (laughs) well, duh. (laughs) Yeah, go do another gravel ride? Sure. Please and thank you. I can't wait. Right, right, But doing specific training to get ready for a grasshopper, I... Oh, that's yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work for me, and so I yeah I look at things in terms of what excites me and what I can do. Uh, this year for me will be a little different, but we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know because I I definitely I am I, I used to be worse. I am better. <laughs> um, I, I am better. I used to, I, I'm. And I, you know, it's funny, like I never even realized how goal oriented I was until someone described me that way. And I was like, I guess I am really goal oriented because I, 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 for me, it's, it's an, it's an anchor. Like I need anchors, mm-hmm. you know, so goals are anchors or I'm just terribly adrift. Like I, I, not that I don't enjoy my bike. I very much enjoy my bike, but I do, I do need purpose. Like I need, I need a. I need a purpose beyond doing the thing, you know, it's, and that's just how I'm wired. I've, mm-hmm. I've always been wired that way. And sometimes with writing, not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I, it, it is, it is a, it becomes more problematic in my professional life because I want the damn thing done, <laughs> you know, and when you start a book, it just doesn't work that way. You know what I like it, you and you and books by their nature are should be good because they give you time to breathe and write more. You know, like it's not the same as having to edit so tight for like a little magazine yeah. space. So it's been a process. Like when I wrote Rebecca's book, it, it it taught me that. Like relax. Like you have to relax and like let and like become part of this process because if you just try to bang this, it's just it does not work that way. It doesn't work that yeah. way. And it it yeah, it's uh so I have Again, made it a goal to to be to enjoy the process, and it's I've I've gotten to a place where I'm pretty comfortable with it. Like where I feel like that I do, I am enjoying the process more, but I still need to get to the goal. Like I still the goal still means something, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm enjoying it more along the way. Cool, if that makes sense. No, it totally. Yeah. I and the funny thing is, like I would kill for the opportunity to be able to slow down what I'm doing and just focus on a book right now. Oh, I, I bet you, you would. Know, yeah, I. 
That's a sabbatical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much. Except nobody pays us for a sabbatical because no, we, no, uh, uh, yeah, yeah adver- we need that. Yeah, sabbaticals don't get advertising. Yeah, no. <laughs> There's a great quote from William <laughs> Faulkner, and I'm probably going to butcher this ever so slightly, but he said, "I don't know what I think on a subject until I see what I've written on it." And that hmm. that's the piece of writing that I so adore is that you sit it's down with the blank page and you begin typing away or writing longhand, which is something a lot of people still do. But, I, you know, for me, I'll start banging away at the keyboard and it is less a process of self-discovery for me than a process of discovering the world. I get, I get called a navel gazer quite a lot and very often it's sort of pejorative. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but in my case, it, I'm looking less at my navel than the outside world and using my own experience as the lens to process the world. What is it I think about this? The world's really fascinating. Uh, I just, I got to take a little of it at at a time. So, right. Right. We're a little afield here. Yeah, it's interesting. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's just, I mean, it's the whole thing. Like when you start talking about processes, right? That's very interesting. Yeah. And I think people, it's just always interesting to me to talk to, you know, I talk to all different kinds of people about their goals, you know, their cycling goals and all this kind of stuff. And it's, you know, the the disadvantage of goal-oriented people is that you're, you're more likely to just bail from the sport, you know, when, when the goals aren't going so well. Like it, it because the process isn't satisfying enough in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I've seen people do that. I've seen it just, them just kind of abandon it and just start something else. Yep. You know, like a whole, I, the friend of mine just, he stand up paddle boards now. <laughs> like he, he just burned out, like he just was like a star flying through the sky, like just went through cycling, hit all his goals and was just like, oh, like there's nothing. And now, he, now he's, what's up, man? Like now he's on the, the stand up paddle board. You know, one of the things that I, because I've looked at that over the years and thought, God, what a, what an awful thing to rob yourself of. You develop all this expertise from this experience that you have, and then someday you 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 hit some wall, some you know some interior wall. You hit it, and it's like, oh, I've I've fished this pond out. Time for something yeah. else. And I, you know, it's something that I never wanted to be perceived as as being critical of other people for it, but I lamented that experience for them because it seems like they were losing so much, more than just the thing itself. I mean, there's the social infrastructure for, from it because who knows if your right. friends are going to switch to the same sport you've switched to. You just find new friends. I mean, then that's what happens. I mean, these I, like I have a few friends who have done it and it's, um, you know, and, and that's just their, their wiring. That's their process, right? And I, it's, it's just, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, I, I do, you know, I got into, I kind of get it because I got into triathlon originally because I wasn't any good at it. And then I got a coach and got good at it and became a trap, right? And then I just had to leave it because it's, cause it's not why I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do understand, like, you know, life is long. And, you know, if you want to, like, like, take everything like take a bunch of things to it's like serial monogamy in a way right like i'm gonna love this bike for 10 years and then i'm going to leave it and i'm gonna love something else for 10 years <laughs> that's a great <laughs> comparison that's pretty dynamite yeah. yeah the other thing that i began to wonder about with people is that so often your progression within a sport or activity or hobby or whatever 
is tied to your experience of flow. You do this thing and it puts you into this magical place and you have this yep. amazing yep. experience for an hour or two and you can't wait until, you know, a day or two from now when you can have that same magical experience. Yep. Well, there comes a point where your learning curve, because you've developed so much experience, your yep. learning curve gets so steep that to try to continue to have that experience of flow becomes riskier and riskier. You've got to push yourself further. And mm -hmm. I wonder if for a great many people, if I could do, if I could be a, a researcher and survey a whole bunch of athletes who'd switch sports, I have mm -hmm. the suspicion that what I would find out is a lot of these people got to a point where they weren't getting the same gains to experience the same depth of flow. And so they started right. over at something that was, you know, they were brand new at so that they could get that progression and get all that experience right. to flow all over again. And in that, I got to say, I kind of get it now. Yeah, no, that I get. That I get. That's super interesting. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating stuff. All righty. So what's your year you're uh, rolling into now? Well, uh, a, from a little different angle, but yeah, let's talk about the new year. So... I'm in the midst of planning my calendar and have been mm -hmm. excited by the prospect of there being a few new events near me. So there are two new grasshoppers. They're both up in Mendocino County. Cool. Yay. <laughs> Lucky me. That's cool. Uh, and then Bike Monkey is going to change a couple of their events. So it looks like those are going to be more interesting courses and more exciting events to do than their previous iterations. Well, you already love those, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but these were two that were far enough out of our area code that I hadn't done them. Oh, okay. And I wasn't feeling like I was missing uh, enough to completely rearrange my life to get to those. But now the changes they're talking about, it's like, oh, I guess I really do have to carve out that weekend. Because those events would require cool. the weekend, not just the day. Uh, right. So... You know, what I'm looking at is I'm going to get some of the events that I uh, that I have, you know, and loved and, and have done for mm -hmm. the last few years. Plus, I'll get some new stuff to freshen up my calendar. Um, that's good. That's on the event side. On a more personal note, I'm about to start reviewing an Ibis Ripmo, their long travel 29er. Mm -hmm. And this is a bike that, you know, long travel 29ers are kind of their own category at this point. But when they started yeah, they coming are. out... People were talking about enduro and maybe even downhill use and whatnot. And the Ripmo has just been awarded best trail bike by a couple of a, bleh, a couple of publications, including Bike Magazine. They called it a trail bike. This is a 160 fork and a 145 I I rear. Uh, and I was floored that anyone would call it a trail bike. Have you been on it? Yeah, yet? not this one, but okay. I, I got to do one of their demo bikes one day, short ride, okay. and was floored at just how good it handled. I'm still hmm. not sure I would have called it a trail bike, but who knows? I might start calling it that. The thing for me is I've decided to set a challenge for myself to improve my ability to huck. Yep. I measure my airtime in inches rather than feet. After all, it's more impressive to say 23 inches rather than not quite two feet. <laughs> yeah. I'm planning on taking more time to session sections of trail that give me trouble. I plan to do more rides wearing pads. The thing for me is that it's hard to set fitness goals, though I plan to shave an hour or more off of some of my grasshopper times from last year just because I wasn't particularly fit and I was really slow. It shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> I'm not, 
the thing is, I'm not sure that going from 70th to 31st will really alter my view of myself as a cyclist in any significant way. Okay. Right. But if I can roll up to a rock, I currently mm-hmm. dodge and then launch off mm-hmm. of it and land eight feet down the trail. Well, that would, that would be something. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That would. <laughs> and so the question I want to put to you, Celine, is you are truly one of the most accomplished athletes I know. And I'm wondering, how do you frame a new year and what do you do to keep your riding fresh? I know you say you like to switch up the events you do, but yep. there's more to it than just picking a few new events. Um, yeah, well, yes and no. Um, you know, I mean, the, it, fortunately, cycling continues to evolve, so it gives me a chance to evolve right along with mm-hmm. it, right? Like yeah. a few years ago, the whole fat bike thing kind of really took off everywhere, and all these fat bike events started turning up around me, and I'd never done anything like that, so... You know, they, I was kind of ridiculous because there was no snow and you know, we were on, all on fat bikes. But um, but I embraced the ridiculous and I thought it was just kind of kind of cool. Um, gra- then, you know, gravel comes along. There's more ultra crosses coming along. So, you know, I always have my ear on the ground uh, personally and professionally for that kind of stuff. And that keeps me very fresh. Uh, but, you know, I do. I definitely I'm, I'm looking at the calendar this year with this in mind pretty keenly because the past couple years I've been doing the same events in the spring and Mm -hmm. you know I'm like I even said to Dave I was just like ah am I doing all that again you know it's like I like them Mm -hmm. but it's hard it's hard for me to get motivated to because they're hard I mean a lot of them are quite hard and um you know I mean and I'm not against hard but when I know the same places that are gonna suck like it's just it's just you know it's not as motivating to me so I'm definitely having an eye out for new stuff. And and new stuff takes me, uh, you know, sometimes to states I've never been to. <laughs> and that definitely keeps things fresh. There's no question about it. Like when you've never, you know, been to a place, it, it's it's always cool to see a new place. So, you know, this year I'm, I'm sort of looking around for that, those things. Um, uh, Margie Gasek, I think I might have mentioned before. I'm not sure if I did. Is that 100-mile mountain bike race up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan? Yep. And that's the one that Jeremiah Bishop said is the hardest thing he's ever done, which is a saying a lot. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. Uh, well, the hardest single day race, let's be clear. Cape Epic is, I'm sure, the hardest thing. Um, you know, so I'm sort of eyeing up that. I'm looking at uh, the there's a gravel, new inaugural gravel event in Steamboat. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Colorado. Uh, there's a stage race gravel event in Vermont, Labor Day weekend. I am already signed up for that one because that I think, yeah. And it's, that kind of stuff is right up my alley because it's more of the, uh, the, the D2R2 terrain. You know what I mean? Like where you're on the, it's not just, you're on sometimes single track and sometimes double track and sometimes an ox cart path and you don't even know what you're doing. But um, I, I'm, I'm keen to do some of that. So... That's pretty much, it is very, very, very important to me to do different things because I, I lose motivation quickly if I'm not doing something um, different because it's hard. Like the stuff I do tends to be long and it tends to be hard and I, I find it very rewarding, but it's, I, I can't get the engine running with the same motivation year after year to be like, oh, I'm going to go do that thing again, right? Like it's just not, it, it doesn't do it for me. So... 
yeah, I, I, I think about I think about that every year. I think about what 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 is exciting, and with each passing year, it becomes more important. Like what captures my imagination. Like you know, I don't want to standing on podiums is fun, and you know, racing fast is fun, but at some point, you know, there's there's other things to pursue too, and I you know I, I'm interested in. Uh, you know, more adventure biking kind of stuff, more multi-day stuff. I'm I'm not one that loves to carry all my own crap. <laughs> you know, it's just um, so that that I I might have to learn to love to. And I think that honestly, I think that's the goal-oriented problem that I have with that because it slows you down, mm-hmm. and I don't like that. It's um, hard to go slower. So I, it kind of is. So. But but that's you know like it's just another it's another thing to look at like it, it, and I like that because I have to sort of reframe everything like what's what's my goal what's my challenge you know it, my challenge is being self supported and you know just taking just reframing it all in my head mm-hmm. so yeah I mean I'm looking I'm looking forward to the year it has a lot of it has a lot of promise yeah yeah cool. I, I'm only in the beginning phases, you know, I'm blocking out those things that I know I'm going to go to. And then I'm starting to look at the other things that I Well, do those things close up? Cause we have so many events that if you don't make up your mind, you know, three seconds after midnight, it's shut, you know, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Right. There are some that will uh, sell out reasonably quickly. A lot of that stuff those aren't the events I'm headed to. Uh, this year with the grasshoppers changing a little bit, the one that does sell out old Cas, isn't being run because two of the roads have been closed. Uh, officially speaking, hmm. you can get through, but the County has closed two of the roads that we normally use there uh, because of landslides. Uh, oh, they wow. get a little skinny <laughs> in certain areas. Yeah, I bet. And they've been like that for a couple of years, but I guess it, came to their attention so uh what if that's a youtube video is so do a bunch of like big name people do that one i saw a youtube video with one of the grasshoppers that that was that was probably made from old cas it's yeah that that course is just so much fun but the new stuff up in mendocino should be really really amazing the the second day of the Mendo Hopper that we did back in August, we were on single track in Jackson State Forest, and it was just crazy. It was crazy. Uh, wow. I, yeah, I, so I really look forward to that. We will have to connect on that. I, I need to come out for a grasshopper. People have been talking about them to me for years, and I just... I, to yeah. my knowledge, this is the oldest gravel series. These are the oldest gravel events in the entire country. There are other. When do they start? Uh, the first one is later this month, January twenty sixth. No, I'm, I'm like. Oh, I think, when did they start? I, just only because years I think ago. Iron Cross kind of holds one of the oh, 21. I don't think that was twenty one years ago. Wow. Okay. That's that's the thing. Yeah. Twenty one years, and I that's... I lament the fact that I moved from New England to Southern California because if I'd moved to Northern California and found about found out about that series when I first you know got to California, I'd have been all in. I have no idea what yeah. I've been riding, but I would have been all in on it. Well, that's funny too, right? Like we were all riding. Like I do, I do so many of these events, and it's funny to look at the evolution of bike that I have ridden. <laughs> like I even I posted a picture. I had a I had a 
Trek Madone. This was 2009, I think. Uh-huh. Trek Madone with 23s and twos. <laughs> I mean, that was my quote-unquote gravel, but I didn't have anything right. else. You know, and we did Hell of 100 in and everything else on it. You just barreled through. That's all you had. Oh, I remember being a badass for this ride that we would do on Mulholland Highway, Dirt Mulholland. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I was the smart guy. I put on some 25 millimeter tires for the first time that we did that ride. You know, check right. me out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's I, I, it's it's amazing. Like the the disc brakes have changed everything. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, and I mean, when people are talking discs and stopping that, but that that's whatever. I mean, we can all like modulate our brakes, and yes, they're wonderful. But but the ability to put different size tires on all these different bikes has just blown everything out of the water. Yeah, in my opinion, it's changed everything. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff in Annadel that I can get through on a gravel bike if I've got 38s or 40s that I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of even trying to ride on 28s. I just oh yeah, well like dirty cans of kind of stuff. I mean you wouldn't do that. I, like you would, you wouldn't last. You would you wouldn't get 10 miles. Oh, you know I mean it's just the gravel's just too crappy. Yeah, it's too it's too chunky. It's just it's wouldn't work. Yeah, absolutely. So it, I, I look at the stuff that I go flying over now and think. You know, back when I was riding, some of the roads that were used, uh, are used in D2R2, I used to ride those on mm-hmm. 25 millimeter tubulars. I did that on 20, and <laughs> I thought I was going to die sometimes. <laughs> it's way more fun. Well, I remember like, that I would slow it's down. It's nerve wracking. Yeah. I would slow down on the descents and now it's like, oh, I've got 40s. Why would I touch my brakes? Yeah, no, it's so much. It's just like a joyful experience now. I remember the first year I did it, I was like, this is harrowing. There were a couple of descents that were, I was just like, all right, here we go. What are you going to do? Like, it's just like. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, I would put a dropper post on my open upper and just completely tear down that thing. Yeah, yeah. That's one change I'm still looking to make myself. Dropper post. Yeah. Do you have a dropper post on anything? Uh, Mountain bikes. Not not oh, any okay. gravel bikes. But yeah, but I I tested a gravel bike with a dropper in it. It's it's a nice thing. Oh yeah. Especially since everything's a like I have a one by like what might as well do something with that other lever. <laughs> well, that's that's a separate issue for me because I already have the full complement of buttons and levers and whatnot. Right, right. So I I'd have to work anyway. a little harder to find out where to fit it in. But I've ridden a diverge with the dropper post. And oh, that must be a nice run. Yeah. There, there's this one descent, this one dirt road that gets used in old cars, and I ride with some fr- regularity, Willow Creek, and I set a PR on that descent with the dropper post. Yep. And it took no me doubt. ages yeah. to beat it after having descended it, you know, a dozen or more times. It took me ages to beat that PR on a bike without a uh, dropper post. Yeah. So yeah. they sure they we'll really that. do make a difference, that's for sure. But that's not cool. either one here's, of our picks the, for this week, is it? No, no, <laughs> here's to the new year. Um, my pick is, you know, just because I feel like I need to talk about these shoes. I, I had a, I got a pair of, speaking of gravel events, <laughs> a mixed terrain shoes, Specialized S-Works Recon shoes. They released a, a pair of gravel shoes this year. Uh, that are just, they're actually just ridiculous. They're made from, and maybe, I hope I'm not going to butcher this material's name, Dyneema. Uh-huh. Do you know what uh, Dyneema is? I've seen the so name it's, It is supposed to be 15 times stronger than steel 
and floats on water. It's like this ridiculous fab, like fiber that everything is made out of that is just indestructible and super light. Um, and the shoes have that in their mesh, and they are ridiculously light. But they're also just ludicrously stiff. Like they have, a, you know, their fact carbon sole right. and the whole thing. I, I will say it's interesting. Like I have, I have very flat feet. And special these especially specialized S Works race shoes do this thing where they they hug your foot like it does not give up anything like your foot's not going anywhere in that shoe right True. but the downs the downside of that is because I actually had to call Stephen K and talk to him because um, when I put them on I was like super bummed because my feet it hurt the collar of the shoe right under my ankle on the outside mm-hmm. was. My foot was pressing against that because when I when my foot flattens a little bit, it would press out, oh. and it was it was downright painful. Oof. Like I was like, right. And these are four hundred twenty five dollar pairs of shoes. I was super over the moon to test them because I don't get to test high end shoes very often. <laughs> and I was just like ready to just cry. I'm like, tell me I can't test these shoes. So I called him, and he just he actually had it. He's like, just you know, put them over a countertop and just soften that. Like just break it in a little bit it's like a pair of hiking boots right it's like a good pair of hiking boots so i broke them in and i have to say like when i test stuff like this you know like we all know that the pro equipment makes a difference right like you know that logically that you know like oh they've got these great shoes and they're stiffer and blah they're lighter but when you put something like that on your feet and actually go and feel like how many more watts you can put down without more work it, it brings it into stark relief. You know, just how much of a difference some of that. It's like a good pair of wheels on a bike. Oh, yeah. Same thing, like, Holy cow. You know, like it's, it's just unbelievable. It's just, I mean, were it only that they didn't cost $425? Like, they're very expensive. They will last a long time, I will say that. Because I have had, when I raced with a team that was sponsored by Specialized, you know, we got the S-Work stuff, and that stuff lasts a very long time. Yeah. Like, I have trashed many pairs of shoes um, and not destroyed, and I destroy everything, as we discussed many times, <laughs> and I have I have not destroyed my S-Work shoes, so I would imagine that these shoes will last, honestly, years. Yeah. But um, they are, they're, I, I can't, they're just, I was just, I, I don't get wowed by shoes and, and that kind of stuff too often. I was floored by how how well these performed without question. Very cool. I reviewed the recon when it first came out. Not the same. Okay. That was my question. Uh, Yeah. Those are the laces and stuff. This is, I don't even know why they called it the same thing, honestly, because I saw that and these shoes are night and day. They have alloy boas that are like special to specialized. Like, there, which are like millimeter micro adjustments, which I also really love mm. because, you know, your feet change over ride. And sometimes even that one click yeah. is too tight. I have had that happen where like now my foot hurts because I've made it too tight, but the other one was too loose. These have like a little Goldilocks level of click to them where you can just go a little bit. It's perfect. Excellent. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Those, so they're not the same recons by any stretch. How, how has the fit changed at all, if at all? They are much more like a high-level mountain bike cross-country shoe, like one of the S-Works. You know, I mean, they mm-hmm. just, they they fit like that. They're, you know, they, they the toe box is a little roomier. Um, they did expand that, which is, yes. Because I did Dirty Kanza in 13 in my S-Works, and my feet felt like they were in vices by mile 185. <laughs> I've never had foot pain in my life on a bike, and I 
I've never had foot pain like that in my life. It was unbelievable. So having that little extra room for, you know, because they are made for that kind of race. They're made for a very long day on the bike. Um, so that's welcome. That's very welcome. That's great to hear. Uh, that, that there's that, yeah. I really like S-Works. But they still, yeah. I do too. They really, like, it. they work. I mean, yeah, it sounds dumb to say, but they do. I mean, dollar for dollar, they are some of the best high-end uh, cycling shoes out there. They're incredibly well-made. Like you said, that. they last. Uh, it's a good fit for an awful lot of people. But as we've referenced before, I have potatoes for feet. And so finding shoes that fit me, it's a little challenging. So, But they work for you? The recons were too narrow. But other S-Works okay. shoes have been wonderful. And I've gotten many yeah. happy years out of some S-Works shoes. Yeah, these these might work for you then because they did open up the toe box. Huh? Well, and and moving away from laces to a micro adjustable uh, fit on the fly, I you know yep. I like the laces. Don't get me wrong, but I think well done boas that will allow you to make some adjustments through the day. That's the one time where I will admit, yeah, there are times when I would adjust my fit through the course of a day. You, oh, absolutely. You get me out there for seven hours, and there's a chance that my foot might swell a little bit. Yeah. After 10, I promise you they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really something. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, that's my pick. All right. Yeah. What do you have? Well, my pick this week isn't something you can buy. <laughs> After the okay. holiday season's materialism. Happiness. Yeah. No, this, sorry. <laughs> this might resonate with some folks. So I'm just back from a ride up the coast of the town of Mendocino in Mendocino County. This is a tiny blip on the map with fewer than a thousand residents. I wanted to take a few days, get away, really decompress. But my pick isn't actually the town or anything in it. The pick is actually Highway 1, the coast road that stretches mm. most of the length of California and beyond. Mm-hmm. I brag about how beautiful spots of Sonoma are, particularly the Sonoma Coast. And I think the Sonoma Coast easily has it all over the Monterey Coast in spades. That said, from the, from the Mendocino County line at the town of Guilala all the way up to Mendocino, the coastline is more routinely stunning than anywhere else I've been in my life. And I mean, I've done, I've done Italian coastline. I've done Corsican coastline. Uh, I have done French coastline, you know, Monaco. That's, that's Hmm? pretty impressive right there. (laughs) Yeah, I bet it is. Uh, Sometimes more for the Lamborghinis than, than the actual geography, but that's a separate issue. But Mendo is the sort of road, uh, or Highway 1 in Mendo, it's the sort of road where you don't want to be under any time constraints at all. A friend of mine and I rode my tandem, and we were never higher than 255 feet above sea level. But in 68 wow. miles, we got more than 4,000 climbing, 4,000 feet of climbing. Wow, that is up and down. Yeah. Oh my God, that is up and, and down. And then the ride back, and the reason why the, the ride back was longer than the ride out, I think it was 74 miles on the way back, uh, 76 miles on the way back. And that was like 4,600 feet, 4,800 feet of climbing. It's just, it's never flat. Northern Sonoma County, there's a spot called Sea Ranch. Um, kind of a private development there's it's 
flattish in there, some false flats and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But once you get into Mendocino County, you're up or down. It's just not flat. It was amazing how difficult the riding was. And then, you know, because of all the inlets, it makes a total joke of the notion of distance, you know, as the crow flies, quote unquote. (laughs) Late in the day on our way up, there was this inlet we had to go around. It was a mile. We added a full mile getting around this inlet. Uh, wow. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, was, I was looking on the, the map of, of my Wahoo element, you know, trying mm-hmm. to see, are we getting into right. a community now? Are we going to have some options to think about this because the sun's going down? And because my route wasn't already dashed out, on the Wahoo element, yeah. I'm just looking at this and then suddenly I realize, oh, that's a big blank spot. Oh, that's an inlet. And then we turn right and we go down this hill. We get around the hook at the bottom. Yeah. it And one inlet added a mile. <laughs> that's, yep, that's a, yeah, that's a meandering ride. Yeah. But, you know, that aside, it was, the riding was just Awesome. I'd like to go back and reduce the mileage I cover in a day. The only hitch there is that there aren't a lot of accommodations and markets along the coast. Right. Uh, so you have to carry your stuff. Yeah. I, I, you're going to need to carry a lot of food and you're going to need to be prepared to camp out. It's totally worth it. But this would this would be one of those tours where you would really have to plan to a much higher degree than anywhere else I've ever ridden before. I mean, Montana would have been, was easier. Uh, Getting through Montana was not difficult, at least not the parts that I rode. This would require a little bit of thought here and there, uh, especially because your your speeds are so low. We averaged 11.8 miles per hour on the way up and 11.9 on the way down. Wow. And the only real difference was that we had a headwind on the way up and no and a tailwind. No tailwind on the way down. No wind? No tail Oh, oh. I felt robbed. <laughs> I was gonna say you were I was cursing the gods. <laughs> I was so ready for the tailwind. You know, and I, I was bragging about, oh, you know, we're gonna move today. <laughs> Thank you for playing. <laughs> but for anybody who wants to do something different, see something different, and just be wowed by the majesty of nature without needing to be hit over the head with something incredible like Yosemite or the Rocky Mountains, but you want something more intimate and yet will still mm-hmm. just as equally wow you. Ooh, yep. Mendo Coast. Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. All right. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Well, hey, that's a wrap for this episode of The Pace Line. Uh, so it's cold there and you said it's a little windy. Are you all fat bike all the time right now? <laughs> I am not fat bike at all any of the time mm. right now. Um, yeah, we don't have any snow and it, the ground is not frozen. Oh. So we, it's actually gotten, um, it's cold, but the days have got like today was in the forties, um, and sunny. So, and I don't know if you heard, but the East coast, it, has had the 2018 was officially the wettest year of recorded history. We have had so much rain. Wow. <laughs> With the jet stream like pushed this atmospheric river down in July and it on it has not let up. I've never seen so much water standing in so many places 
in my life. Um, mm. It's uh, it's frankly just unbelievable. There was actually supposed to be a 50 mile fat bike race. There's, it's still going on tomorrow. I'm, I'm quite on the fence about doing it because there is a lot of standing water and it's just not... I don't know that it's so early in the season just to slog and suffer, you know, like for no good reason. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm, I'm down with that. But um, no, I mean we're really just riding the road. Like as long as the sun is shining and it's in the 40s and stuff, we're on, you know, we're pretty much on the road. Okay. Once it gets a little colder and the dirt freezes up, uh, then the trails get awesome because yeah. you get like that grippy hero kind of, kind of dirt. But yeah, just I, I just roll with whatever Mother Nature hands us, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Yourself, what's up for you this uh, weekend? I, maybe uh, strange to say, maybe a little bit of hiking or something like that. I got uh, a cortisone injection in oh, my right, neck, right? Uh, just yesterday, and so I have to be off the bike for seven days. And yep, uh, you got to move next next Wednesday. Uh, I will. We should probably make sure to. Rec- to record next Wednesday so we can get me in the full DTs of not having been on a bike for a week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. But you know, I'm grateful for this. This one hurts less than the last one. I'm hopeful that this will help me in my pain, you know? So I just, I got to get through this. It's the right time of year to do this. Uh, Yes, it is. But I also got to find a spot for, for another one in like late April or early May. (laughs) Less of an awesome time to do it, but yeah. But make sure you just do a good big training block leaning up. Right, it. and that's kind of what I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, well, something I've said we're going to be doing more of, and we are already seeing the payoff in requests from our readers. We are fielding requests for segments on the show. If you've got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments. I'm going to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for the bike set. Uh, it will be back next week, I can say, and I'm excited to do this next interview. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.